There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So obviously, you know, one of the things that I always say concerns me is how the levels of violence, just everyday violence in, in our society right now, seem to escalate, particularly during an election year. And if ever there were all kinds of clear signs that people have dug in, whatever their political philosophy is, whoever their candidate of choice is, people are pretty darn serious about it. And some of them think everything is fair game. I saw a headline. And now, obviously, I don't take uh, too many things that are said on The View uh, with the harpies too seriously, and I really don't care that much for any of the hosts on that show. I think that they are just, they're just awful. <laughs> There's no other way to, to frame it. You know, it's not a review, it's reality. But there was an interview where Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States of America, now let me remind you, she is the second in command of everything, our military, our legislature. Her vote means everything in this closely divided Congress, Senate that we have right now. She's a very important figure. And she's scared as heck. That's her expression, not mine. And I'd like to just minimize the importance of that because as I said before, I'm not a, a fan of hers. I cannot figure out for the life of me why she has literally shown no gift, no skill, no interest in being the second most important person in American government. She just doesn't look like she likes the job or is able to you know, is competent at her job. Everything she's ever been assigned by the president, she has failed to do. She She's not a border czar. She's sort of, uh, I don't know what she is. I think she went down close to the border one time. She has no plan. She doesn't speak about anything except for her feelings. She likes immigrants and illegal immigrants you know, um, but but she has no plan for how to handle this ever-increasing problematic southern border. So when she's asked, you know, well, how she feels about this upcoming election where she and Joe Biden are going to be running against, let's face it, Donald Trump and whoever he selects as his VP, then... 
I have to listen with some seriousness, even though it boggles my mind how insincere and unserious she remains. So she's got a lot of heavy hitters behind her. She and Joe Biden have a lot of people with a lot of uh, clout and a lot of money supporting them already. They are, after all, the incumbent administration. But they're not winning in the court of public opinion, nor are they winning in any of the sort of legitimate polls that we get to look at. And when you get asked by somebody as ridiculous as Joy Behar how it feels to have people doubt whether or not you and the president could even win an election, a re-election, you would think she'd be very serious with her answer and very considered about how whatever it is that she's going to say. Because everybody's listening, not just her supporters, not just Democrats, not just the incredibly sold out democratic media, but the leaders of other countries. She has to know that. I mean, my, my 11-year-old grandson knows that. So when, when she's asked a question by, you know, no genius of politics, Joy Behar, although I will tell you of all the harpies on that show, she probably is the most knowledgeable when it comes to politics. She'd been talking about politics a lot longer than some of them. I mean, you know, I think of Whoopi Goldberg and I think of uh, Sister Act, you know, <laughs> or some comedic stand-up. And, and she's the ostensible leader of The View. But I would say Joy Behar should be able to ask good questions, should be able to do follow-ups, should actually be concerned and interested in the responses and so when she asks the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, if she uh, is nervous about running against Donald Trump, and her response is that she's as scared as heck, and we should all be scared that Donald Trump is going to get reelected by, and now these are her words, the crazies. So she and her running mate, the incumbent president of the United States, look at me and look at you, uh, not all of you, but those of you who agree with me, as crazies. I'd almost prefer, you know, some of the nicknames that Hillary Clinton gave me. There is nothing I can hold on to positive when I'm being referred to as a crazy. And guess what? The crazies, when we hear that, we get more committed to winning this next election. I'm committed anyway. But when I hear the vice president of the United States and I heard the president last week refer to people like you and me as bad people, crazy people, wow, I don't want them anywhere near the levers of government. How about that? I don't want them to be worried more about my mental health 
than they are about the presidents. And I, I'm not saying he's mentally ill or Kamala Harris is mentally ill, but they sure don't seem like the brightest bulbs, do they? Is it just me? Or would you not expect someone who's in the position that Kamala Harris has found herself in somehow magically, mysteriously, because she happens to be a woman of color, she got to be the vice president of the United States and most people anticipated that because of his age, she was probably going to be the presidential nominee this, this year. And instead, the Democrat Party said, whoa, no, 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 no. It's one thing to be concerned about winning and losing. It's another thing to not believe or understand just how the American people don't like her. And they certainly have no reason to believe in her ability, she's not evidenced much. She hasn't done anything. I, I can't think of a single thing that I can credit her with. Every time she casts a deciding vote, it's not in the direction I want it. So I can't even give her that. She just seems so completely out of the league, out of her league as vice president of the United States. And she's literally one heartbeat away from the most important job that anybody could hold. I don't care what Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin or the mullahs think. To be the president of the United States is to have control of the most incredible levers of power. You have more nuclear weapon capability. You have a larger military. You have a population that is more evenly dispersed, both in terms of their um, ability to afford life and their understanding of something as complicated as politics. So when I look at... Um, this kind of response to Joy Behar's question, I'm scared as heck. Like that's what, that's what kids say when they're asked about the uh, math exam that they're going to have to take on Monday that they're not prepared for. They're as scared as heck. It's not what the vice president of the United States says about half of the country, which would include me and you. For the most part, I'm assuming most of my listeners are at least sensible enough to be conservatives. And they're behind the party of the crazies. They're behind in numbers, in polls, poll after poll after poll. They're behind the crazy in chief, Donald Trump. So when Joy Behar says it out loud, when she quotes President Barack Obama in the context, when she says President Obama says that he thinks the Biden campaign is too complacent when it comes to Trump, that the campaign isn't breaking through the, listen to this term, the MAGA wall. <laughs> Michelle Obama says she's terrified. And then Joy Behar says, as we are about the potential outcome of the election. So in other words, if the election turns out the way I want it to turn out, these people are scared to death. What are they so scared of? Did I miss something 
or from 2016 to 2020, did we not hum along as a country? Did we not experience predominantly uh, good times and a good economy? If it hadn't been for COVID, probably would have been record-breaking on every level. So they're scared of that? They don't want the possibility of this country becoming uh, assertive in terms of international policy. They're not excited or even at least hopeful that we could experience some economic stability and maybe even some dramatic economic improvement if Donald Trump, chief crazy, and his crazies get back in power. They're just scared. They're scared. What would happen? And, and this is how Joy Behar, this is not a journalist, but pretending to be a journalist, is interviewing the vice president of the United States and says, what could happen if Trump ever became, God forbid, president again? And what are you going to do to stop the crazies? Wow. What is she willing to do to stop us? That should scare you way more than they know. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app. That way you have everything at your fingertips. You have breaking news. You have the podcasts, whether it's a podcast of today's show. You may have missed a portion of it or whether it's the No Restraint podcast or, uh, you know, the Jen and Bill Morning Show podcast or Cool Dad Rules or the UAP, UAP whatever. It's all going to be right there on your cell phone. But if you don't want to download the app, please at least visit the website at least on a weekly basis. Go to 850wftl.com. That way you could participate in a, a contest where you could win a family four-pack to the Garlic Fest or a pair of tickets to Art of Palm Beach or a $50 gift card to live deliciously at the Great Greek Mediterranean Grill, which now is open in West Boca. So you got to enter to win. And it's easiest to enter on the 850 app or just go to the website, 850wftl.com. Quick break and I'll be right back. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's not that I didn't know this or don't think about such things, but it was kind of interesting that uh, there's something called the Florida Forward Party. And they announced today the launch of this Florida 50 initiative for 2024. And what it means is they have put together this organization that's going to work to identify, recruit, and then support 50 quality candidates that are going to run for federal, state, county, and, and, and you know, local office positions throughout the state of Florida for this year, for 2024. And these candidates can be members of this, the Florida Forward Party, 
or they could be members of a re- of another party. I don't want to say a real party, but one of the recognized parties like Democrats and Republicans, or they could be NPAs, those without party membership. But in with in Florida law, if you are seeking office, partisan office, you cannot change your registration uh, since spring of 2023. Now, there are more than 4 million voters in Florida that are not registered with either major party. And that's according to the director of this uh, Florida Forward Party, uh, one Nate Smolensky. And because we're a closed primary state, that tells you a lot about how people are not satisfied with the two parties. So if you want to have a third party emerge that actually stands a chance, this would be a good time to launch an effort like this, and that's what they've done. Success with candidates comes in three phases. First, you have to recruit them, and then you have to evaluate them, and then you have to decide how you're going to support them. So what what all that entails? Well, it's a lot more than you probably thought about, and I think it's probably a lot more than the Florida Forward Party probably thought about, but they better get their acts together quick because recruitment means that you got to find people, voices, who have a different idea of how to handle politics and how to reach out to people who are not traditionalists, who do not uh, you know, vote for the Democrats because they've been Democrats all their life or they don't uh, swear by the Republican Party and its principles. So you got to recruit people first and foremost. You got to find them. And then you got to evaluate them. You don't want to be thrown out 50. They're going to put their weight behind 50 candidates. I don't know how much money this entails. I don't really know if they're targeting uh, areas where you might have a predominant party, like, you know, Broward County is predominantly Democrat. So how much money do you think a, a forward party is going to throw into Broward County? I don't know the answer to that question. And this press release that I'm reading doesn't give me the answer. But I do know this that they better pick them carefully. They better evaluate and understand that there has to be some kind of consistency with some parameters, whether that's values or whether that's uh, ideals, something that brings people together and will help them to decide to support these candidates. So when you evaluate them, What are the questions you're thinking of asking? I I mean, I definitely want to get one of these people on the air to find out because first and foremost, we have a couple of areas, major areas, that an NPA or a forward party member is going to have to be clear about. Are you conservative? By conservative, I mean, are you fiscally conservative? Are you uh, morally conservative? And then there's some very clear parameters for me when it comes to what is a conservative. Because if you're an apologetic conservative like George Bush was, you know, a compassionate conservative, then you're not my kind of conservative. So what is it that you believe in? Or are you 
uh, you know, a liber libertarian style candidate. You know, do you think that people have a right to do anything they want to do at any time as long as they don't hurt someone else? Okay. You know, then, then make that case and that would be a unifying factor in this party. But you're going to have to come up with more than like, we're different. We're not like the Democrats. We're not like the Republicans. Well, what exactly are you like? You know, what kind of support are they going to be offering them? Okay, so you recruit them, you evaluate them, and now you say you support them. Well, what does that mean? Are you going to knock on doors? Are you going to give their campaigns money? Are you going to do uh, massive mailings on behalf of the candidates? Do you have a social media um, protocol that you're going to be following for these candidates? What are we talking about here? Are you going to be giving them guidance? Are you going to be giving them data? Are you going to give them the, the resources that they need? You know, there, there are tools to managing a campaign. And so there are resources that a lot of people have no clue how to get them, have access to them. Generally, if you're a, a Democrat and you are running as a Democrat nominee, let's say you've been through the primary process, you've gotten the nomination, now the Democrat Party of Florida begins to provide you with information and to a certain extent with the tools that you might need to have a successful campaign. You know, there's got to be resources, not just money. There has to be advisors that are going to help your staff to put together a ground game, to put together uh, the right timing for releasing information. There has to be a communications department or, or person who's going to tell you, you need to get on the Joyce Kaufman show. You need to try and get on uh, Michael Putnam on Sunday. There's got to be a plan. And those are the kind of resources that come with the major parties once you have gotten the nomination. Now look, and during these primary seasons, they handle it very differently. The Democrats will choose the candidate. They really don't care what the members of the party, the average schmo, um, thinks about any given candidate. They know who they want to run, and therefore they can start much earlier than, say, the Republican Party, where it's a big tent. I get it. It's a big, big tent. And uh, there could be six nominees, as there are right now, for one congressional seat in Palm Beach County. Now, that's a, that's a tough you have to overcome that before you even begin to look at a general election. And who's advising them? Who's going to advise the forward party candidates, right? Qualifying periods begin in April for all the federal races and in June for all the other partisan seats. And there are, by now, there are a lot of campaigns that are already committed. There are a lot of candidates that have already paid their fees or already um, come up with sufficient signatures on petitions. So whoever the forward candidates are going to be, they're already behind the eight ball. So they're going to need a lot of help. So they got to win a whole bunch of races or this will be their only chance. You know, if they fail... It's going to be huge. 
I think of all the failures there have been of third parties. They go down in a lot of flames. So there have to be, um, they have to be picking carefully what races they're going to go into. You know how many uncontested elections there are in the state of Florida every year? Just in the South Florida area alone, there are races where the incumbent has no challenger, never has a primary challenger, never even has a challenger in the general election. I can remember years when I'll see what I can steal Hastings, uh, may, may he rest in peace, where I'll see Hastings didn't even have a Republican opponent to run against. Like, what's the point of an election, right? There was nothing. They couldn't come up with anybody. And then came all the times where they would have a nominee, the Republicans would have a nominee, and that nominee would receive zero support from the RPOF and very little support, no support at all from, you know, the the Republican Party in Washington, D.C. and the national big guys. So how, how, do you, how do you hope to break out? That's what I would ask this uh, Florida Forward Party. You better pick some races that are uncontested year after year with one party dominating, generally the Democrats, and you better get some high-quality candidates in there who have broad appeal that you can build coalitions of people who may belong to the Democrat or the Republican Party or maybe NPAs or may never have voted before, maybe young voters, new voters. But you're going to have to get them to come together in a mighty big way. And uh, they don't even have candidates picked yet. So I'm just interested. I'm always fascinated because I don't believe that there's no chance of a third party emerging in America that's viable. I know there's a, a good chance. I don't think it's going to happen this year, but it's interesting to see people who are formulating a plan to try and get it to happen this year. Anyway, I got to take a quick break. Don't touch that dial. I don't have any guests today. It's you and me, kid, and I got a lot I need to talk about, not a lot of time to do it. So stay right where you are. I will be right back. So there's so much going on, and we have so many areas that we have to cover. I'm one of these talk show hosts that while I really am predominantly a conservative political talk show host, the world keeps spinning. And I have to cover everything. That's why I do the TMZ segment. Not to mention, you know, it's kind of cool to have my son on the air. But I, get, I should know something about these major stories, right? I, I should know who Taylor Swift is. Even if I can't name one single song that she sings, I still should know who she is. I should know that she's dating somebody. Travis Kelsey, I think, with the Kansas City Chiefs. I should know these things. Thank goodness. Last night I was watching, it might have been either last night or the night before I was watching TMZ. I usually tape it. And the only time I watch it is if I'm missing my kid. So I was uh, watching it, and he was talking about this smoothie that he and I had gotten at this place called Erewhon, this super expensive LA, it's kind of like a Whole Foods, but it's like even, if you thought Whole Foods was expensive, 
you will not believe Erewhon. Anyway, these smoothies cost like $17. You heard me right. And the Haley Bieber one is the big hot seller, right? And they have, uh, um, I don't even know who the other people are. Somebody Rodrigo. That's the one that I ordered. So they sell you these smoothies. And last night on the TMZ show, they were talking about these smoothies. And so my son pipes up and goes, well, I actually had a Haley Bieber smoothie. I got it at Erewhon, you know, over Christmas, you know, over the week between Christmas and New Year's. And everybody went, really? Because, you know, Derek is notoriously uh, cheap. So they said, you paid $17 for a smoothie? And he said, no, my mom bought it for me. And so the punchline on the show was, Derek is a middle-aged mama's boy. Now, mind you, I did not pay for that smoothie. He took me out for a smoothie. He paid for the smoothie. I'm not paying for no $17 for a smoothie. I'm not paying $17 for six smoothies. How about that? But I guess the story wouldn't have been as funny. And he got his laugh line. But I know these things, and I try to stay on top of these things because they do matter. Not as much as who's sitting in the White House, but they matter. For instance, this morning I sat through a video. It was of an Israeli hostage who had been released from Gaza. She had been 55 days in captivity. And a beautiful young woman. And she decided that she was going to tell the story. Primarily because there are people still being held as hostages. There certainly were when she was released 50 days ago. And so she tells this story. And it's, she speaks in Hebrew, but they have um, captions, English captions, as she's speaking. And I'm watching this, and I know enough Hebrew so that I kind of could follow what she was saying anyway. I mean, some words uh, I, I don't know, and I was grateful that there was a caption. But when she tells the story, I'm sitting here in my house with tears streaming down my face, and I want to turn it off. I don't want to hear anymore. It's, it's just horrific. And her pain is very difficult for someone like me who has a daughter the same age. Well, not my daughters are older now, but, but I certainly could relate to, you know, they show footage of her mother and, and it, it was just so painful to watch this. But every time I went to hit the stop or the pause button, I said, I need to see this. I need to be able to talk about this. I need to be able to combat the misinformation that's out there. And if I'm not willing to just put my feelings to the side, well, then I don't really deserve a microphone and I don't get to tell you about my analysis of, of the events of October 7th and subsequent events. So I, I needed to sit through it. And it was, a, it was lengthy. It was a, maybe 25 minutes, some, somewhere around that. Mia Shem is her name. And when I tell you 
that it just makes me even more committed to not allowing people to tell a fake story about what happened. I know that they want you to believe that they have this, uh, you know, this oppressed people living in Gaza. But she begins to talk about how, no, 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 these, she was being held in someone's home and they were not leaders of Hamas. They were just Gazan citizens and they hated her. And their children came in and taunted her. Their children had been taught to hate Jews from very, very early on. And she would have never believed it if she hadn't been in that position. And I guess I need to see it so that I understand. This is something that the world should not be allowed to distort or mislead the public about. And that means people like me may have to sit through a particularly painful video like that. See, to me, that was something important. I don't care that much about the Princess of Wales. How about that? Now, I know some people love the, you know, royal drama. Anything the royal family does, you know, oh, King Charles is going to undergo some prostate surgery. Trust me, they watched what happened with Secretary Lloyd Austin. They said, we better get out in front of this and tell everybody where he's going. He is the king of England. But as soon as he revealed that he was uh, going to be undergoing this surgery, all of a sudden, we find out that Kate, who is William's wife, the Princess of Wales, has been hospitalized for like two weeks. She's 42 years old. She usually has a pretty busy schedule. She will be the wife of the king, not that far distant future, her royal highness. She was admitted to a clinic for planned abdominal surgery. And the surgery was uh, successful. She'll be in the hospital for 10 to 14 days. And then she'll go home to continue her recovery. But nothing was said about what the surgery was for. And they did say that she probably, because of the medical advice she's being given, she won't return to public duties until after Easter. Okay, so Easter is March 31st. That's a long time. Now, people are super interested in this. Way more interested they are, are in this than they are in the fact that the Vice President of the United States refers to you and me as the crazies. You tell me which story should we be talking about? Which story should you be investigating? Don't take my word for it. I didn't, you know, I didn't make that up. Kamala Harris told Joy Behar that she is scared as heck, and that's why she's traveling the country. The, the, she said, you know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run for office either without an, appoint, an opponent or scared. So on all of these points, yes, we should all be scared. And then she went into her usual, you know, women and children and 
uh, we're scared for the future and we're scared for the girls and we're scared for abortion and all that uh, you know usual rhetoric. But the the important part of all this is that she's scared of me, the Vice President of the United States and the President of the United States refer to me as a crazy. I'm not just a, a deplorable. You know, deplorable is starting to sound good. No, I am crazy. You got guys like Jamie Dimon, the CEO of J.P. Morgan, telling the Democrat Party, stop talking so negatively about MAGA. It's not helping. And as a matter of fact, it's going to hurt. And I can tell you, I find it extremely off-putting that they refer to you and me as crazies. 50% of this nation is not crazies. Any more than I think they're crazies. They're wrong. They're on the wrong side of most issues. But to minimize, minimize them and call them crazies really is very un-American in my opinion. Never... Never mind that it came out of the second highest office holder in the entire country refers to you and me as the crazies. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, it doesn't help our cause when the chief crazy or the guy we're all supporting goes a little crazy publicly and you know, all the stuff about Nikki Haley yesterday. Why? You know, leave it alone. She's about to uh, disappear into the political, what do they call it, uh, purgatory, you know, where her career is going to end, a career that should have been bright. Look at uh, Governor DeSantis, a person whose career, whose shining star should be brightly shining, and it's, uh, they're both going down the drain. I don't care who, how much uh, they, they, how well they do in New Hampshire. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And knowing that should make both of them just sever the, you know, bring your campaign to an end. Do what uh, Vivek did, do what Christie did, do what Asa Hutchinson did. Is there anybody else left in there? I don't think so. Anyway, don't forget, coming up after me, Eric Erickson, and then all the overnight guys, uh, evenings and overnight guys. Tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade at 9 a.m. And at noon, Dan Bongino, or as the last caller on his show called him, Bonji. Bonji will be back. <laughs> and then at 3 o'clock, I'll be back. But I have one segment left today, so stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Try your best to not let your personal opinions about a lot of things get in the way. And for the most part, I'm, um, I'm successful. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sold out for one particular candidate. Everybody knows that, so I don't have to like tap dance around that. But what I find so fascinating is how when I open up the show to all of these candidates running for congressional seats, actually running in primaries to get a nomination, People are stunned. Like, how do, you, uh, how do you know they're running? You should all know they're running. That's why I put them on the air. How do you make a choice? And 
don't blame me if your party, whether it's the Democrat Party or the Republican Party, fails to give you the information that you need in enough time for you to make good choices, can't blame me. I'm always going to be ahead of everybody else when it comes to showcasing. I don't care if it's a county commissioner. I don't care if it's the uh, dog catcher. You should know who the candidates are, and you should be making some serious investigations into them. Who are you going to support? Why are you going to support them? And how are you going to support them? Because otherwise, this is, you know, you crazies aren't going to get what you want because <laughs> That's what they think of you. They think you're the crazies. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then as always, may God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow at 3. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.